Tension and release in the lives of two professional music therapists. We're professionals. <laughs> Welcome back. We've got a great show in store for you. Sarah, tell them what's on the lineup. We've got a new original song. We've got some guests. We've got um, a segment on media consumption. We've got this month's music therapy highlight. We've got octopus and butterflake bread, and that's plenty. This week, we are doing our song slot machine on the topic of recycling and in the genre of disco. Disco, provided by two listeners. We now present to you the original song, Recycling and Stuff. Just 
presented at the Regional American Music Therapy Association Mid-Atlantic Region Music Therapy Conference. That's a Ooh, mouthful. Wow. We presented a session called Millennials in Music Therapy. Yes, right? That's we what did. it was called? Yeah. It yes. It was pretty great. It, it was, was really nice. 8 a.m. session and we had like probably 17 people there. We had some troopers. They were awesome. Um, so Whitney, did you enjoy the conference? I really did. I liked having it in my, not hometown, but new hometown of Rochester. Um, It was great to kind of show people around the city and be somewhere that was familiar to me. Mm -hmm. I felt a little bad because we had that huge snowstorm right before it came, um, the conference time came. We had also just had a huge power outage um, because of a windstorm the week before. Mm -hmm. So everyone in Rochester was kind of like... um, getting over all of our all of our drama and then we had this big yeah this big conference um and I would like to share how awesome the music therapy community is I was I was privileged enough to be on the local planning committee um I served as an entertainment chair and and she did amazing oh thank you so good we rolled with the punches that the weather gave us um but we learned that 560 music therapists students interns whatever, registered for this conference, and despite the weather, 540 attended. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And that's a really, really good number for, for conference, Yeah, too. for registration in general. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so during our presentation, we talked about how to use social media, and um, to your advantage as a music therapist, we specifically talked about podcasting, because that's what we do, and part of our presentation was interactive, and we had some people come up from our audience and share some things with us about where they were coming from, and what they were excited for about conference. So Please welcome our guests from the Mid-Atlantic Region Music Therapy Conference. Woohoo! Hi, my name is Lauren, and I'm from Elizabethtown College, and I'm most excited about spreading music to share joy in any way possible. Hi, my name is Heather from Rochester, New York. I'm most excited about going to sessions to learn more about our field from different perspectives at MAR 17. I'm Gina, I'm from Buffalo, New York, and I am most excited to be attending my first conference as a recently board-certified professional. Media consumption. I am reading three different books right now and they are all serving different purposes in my life. The One of the books that I'm reading that I think I've been reading the longest is called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by an author named Liz Gilbert. And I bought this book a while ago. It took me a while to get into it, but I've been reading one chapter at a time and trying to absorb that chapter into my life. And it's about creative living, and I'm going to share one of my favorite quotes from it. Um, She says, so this, I believe, is the central question upon which all creative living hinges. Do you have the courage to bring forth the treasures that are hidden within you? So what's really interesting about this book is that she talks about creative ideas as gems or living things that go from person to person. 
So she talks about having an idea as it's like a real living substance that comes to you and you have to have a mutual agreement with this idea that you're going to take care of it and bring it to fruition. So she talks about this really interesting encounter that she had with Ann Patchett, who was one of my other favorite authors. Have you ever read me, Ann Patchett? No. One of her, one yes. of my favorite book by her is Belcanto. Belcanto. I was mm -hmm. going to say, I haven't read all of it. I've read all yeah. of it. And so Liz had this idea for a story a long time ago about the Amazon. And there was, she read an article, I believe, about construction that was happening in the Amazon. And because of the weather and the cycles of rain and flooding and things there, all of this construction equipment was like sucked up by the earth and it just mysteriously vanished and it, all of these huge cranes and bulldozers were beneath the Amazon. Okay. And she wanted to write a story about this and then she had some personal things come up to her life and she ended up having to leave the country and she met with Ann Patchett years later and Ann Patchett told her about this story she was writing and it was literally the same story about the Amazon. Weird. Yeah. And so she was talking about how ideas, if you, if you have an idea and you're unable to work with it at the time, she really believes that it goes to someone else. And just the way that she talks about ideas and creative living is super awesome. And I really enjoy it as a musician. Um, that sounds really cool. What's the name of that book again? Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. It's a really good book. I really oh. recommend it. And then a music therapy text that I'm reading right now is Music, Music Therapy, and Trauma, which is edited by Julie Sutton, and it's a collection of international perspectives on music, music therapy, and trauma. When, we were, when I was at the conference, I took a continuing ed course on trauma and music therapy, and I work with some individuals who have gone through trauma, so I took an interest in learning more about this because I didn't receive a lot of training on it in my undergrad. And I've just started, I've only read the foreword, but I'm excited to just read something that's about music therapy and trauma, not something that's research or too heavy yet, but just about some perspectives on what it's like. And then for my own personal enjoyment, that's not to necessarily better myself in any way, just to read, I'm reading a book called Half Broke Horses by Jeanette Walls. Um, Jeanette Walls also wrote the book, The Glass Castle, which I read. These aren't new books. They're phenomenal books. Um, both are memoir-type books. Glass Castle um, is Jeanette's memoir, and then Half Broke Horses is um, a biographical nonfiction story about her grandmother. And they both came up in rural areas not having a lot, and they're just beautifully written books about different kinds of poverty that we're not used to hearing about. And me being someone who grew up in a suburban and an urban area, I'm familiar with seeing and hearing about urban poverty, but rural poverty is something that I don't see in my life, and that's not mm -hmm. something that I witnessed in my upbringing. So getting to read stories about these parts of the country that I haven't been to is really amazing, really eye-opening, and she's just an amazing writer. So everything I'm reading right now, I'm really happy with. All these female writers really nice that's really cool so that's what I'm consuming right now cool well I've not been doing much reading I've been finding it really difficult to read lately I open a book and I literally just fall asleep I didn't read for months and I'm just <laughs> I'm getting this back into my system because I really like reading that's nice I'm trying to read for me I'm reading all the light we cannot see and um, it's really hard to get into but I hear that it's really good so I'm gonna keep pushing but um the things that I've been looking at lately 
are some piano teaching blogs and podcasts. So I've got a lot of new um, piano students of multiple ages and multiple abilities. So I've been looking for as many resources as I, as I can on yeah. piano teaching. So the first resource that I've got is um, letsplaykidsmusic.com. Let's play. <laughs> it's uh, a really cute little website, and it's got a lot of fun resources on there for younger kids. Um, and just got games and simple things to kind of just make uh, your piano lesson a little bit more fun. Um, so that's really fun. I'm going to be using that tomorrow with one of my new students, so I'll let you guys know how that works. Yes, you will. Um, the other thing I've been listening to is the Creative Piano Teaching Podcast. So that's a podcast by... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I want to know more about this. I, I, need, to, I need to figure this just out. Just pulling it up. It's a podcast... We're a podcast. It's a podcast. Sorry, guys. I'll provide some waiting music. It's a podcast about piano. Well, I'll get back to you on it because it's not coming up. About piano. But the most recent one that I listened to had a piano teacher um, on there from Dublin, Ireland. Her name is Nicola Canton. She's, she's really cool. She um, talked a lot about the way that she uses games in her lessons. Um, she doesn't do a lot of like method... I mean, she does some method books. Does she work primarily with younger kiddos? I think she does work with younger kids and some like teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so she talked about how she just kind of like makes things more fun and kind of like gives her... her piano lessons kind of a gimmick to get the kids involved yeah. and like well and I feel like at that age get them motivated it's so important because when you're teaching lessons at that young of an age you're also their music teacher too not just their like piano teacher and you're teaching them so many music and theory skills by, it's true you know yeah. and especially with piano because that's such an accessible theory tool yeah and for he, for her she was kind of talking about how she Um, wants to make piano, learning piano kind of an exploratory thing first before really... That makes sense because that's how kids experience toys. Yeah, before learning how to like play notes and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, So her website is um, colorfulkeys.ie. She's got a really nice graphic at the top I'm looking at Colorfulkeys.ie because she is in Ireland. Hmm. Um, And then... Yeah, that's about it. I don't really have anything else, but I'll let you guys know how my piano teaching stuff goes. I've been Pinteresting a lot for um, for piano ideas. Make it a Pinterest I have so board. many music therapy Pinterest boards. Lots it's of my great first things one. Out I haven't there. done a lot of uh, Pinterest work for music therapy. Yeah. But I like that as a resource. I uh, started sharing a, um, a my piano teaching board with a friend of mine who's a music therapist in Pittsfield, Emily. And she just put a whole bunch on today, and I'm really excited to go see what she put in because she always has good ideas. If you guys have any favorite piano resources or music therapy resources, send them our way. V7CorePodcast at gmail.com. And now it's time for monthly music therapy highlights. music therapy highlights this month we are talking about the ways that we use apps to document our um, documentation 
in our music therapy sessions. To document the documentation. To document the things that we have to document. Mm-hmm. So, I've been using a combination of Evernote mm-hmm. and numbers and pages. Okay. Okay. So, what I do is for all of my sessions, I write a note in Evernote, which is an app that is symbolized by a green, no, a gray elephant over a green background. I don't know why it's an elephant, but it's really cute, so I like that. Well, elephants have really good memory, so that could be like, you're taking notes about things that you want to remember. Cool. That would be my prediction. So I don't know if it's true. It's, that's probably it. I, I didn't get that far, but... You're very smart, so that's good. I just really like animals. Okay. (laughs) So, basically, um, I have a folder for each student or client that I see, or each group that I see. I'm showing Sarah my my notes right now. And so I've got all of these notebooks. I really like their fonts. My students. Yeah, the fonts are good. Um, So when I see a student, I just search for their name, uh, click on it, and then I will click on the green plus button That's nice. and start writing a note. For the title, I always write the date. So I'll do okay. whatever date it is. Now, Whitney, I have a quick question. Sure. Are these notes and documents password protected, or does that does that worry you that they are or not? Um, they're password protected in that my iPad is. Right. You know, no one can get into my iPad. Um, let's see. They're, they're not... Password protected within the app, though. I always worry about that, and I don't know why, because someone could easily just rip your binder out of your hands and your notes are right there. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like things that are electronic, I have have a little bit of anxiety built around the privacy, I guess. Sure. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, For me, I... I don't really worry about it because... because yeah, your iPad's press. It's protected. my iPad. I don't really... I mean, I let students use it in that they press it to go to the next page, but mm-hmm. that's the only thing students will do. Yeah. Sometimes I'll let students use it to look up a YouTube video, but it's pretty rare right. um, that I'll do that. And so they're not, not like fishing through my apps or anything. True. You know? You're right. Um, okay. But yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I know you can password protect some things. I wonder if you could password protect an app. Yeah, I wonder. I know in the app that I have right now that I'm using Notebook, um, you can password protect okay. certain notes. But I don't know about the app. That's I, I like that. Because then you would just have to put a password in for whether you're going to use it. And like you're the only person that needs to use the right. app. Yeah. That would be a good way to do it. Huh. So the okay. other thing that I am doing, also not password protected, is using Numbers. Um, in which I have some data sheets that I got from um, one of the owners of Spectrum. Um, and he's got all of the sessions outlined um, in like five session increments. So at the on the These top, are nice. um, what is that, the x-axis? Yes. Going horizontally. On the top x-axis, it's got session one, two, three, four, five, the number that are com- the number of trials that are completed, the number of trials, and the number of total attempts that the student had to do the particular thing, mm-hmm. um, and then it does it calculates all of it um, via an Excel document or a numbers document into a percentage at the very end of the document. So I've got multiple sheets for each goal that I have for the student, and in each sheet I have 
different ways that they could complete the goal. Mm -hmm. And then I track how many times they did that per session. I dig it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It is difficult to set up the spreadsheet mm -hmm. myself. I have a new student that I'm setting up. Um, but once it's there, it's there. And... Yeah, yeah. So what I've been doing is every quarter or so, I will create a new spreadsheet with new goals mm -hmm. um, that would fit into the goals that I have for my students because my IEP goals are so so broad. Right. Um, so I'll do that every every couple of every month or two. Cool. Um, yeah, because I've got a lot of a lot of a lot of opportunities to take data. The other way I'm taking data is using one of our um, one of our data sheets, similar something similar to a data sheet from Mary Cariola, um, in my Pages app, where I have um, data sheets in folders for each student, mm -hmm. um, for like individual or group for them. And it has the date, yeah, yeah. and then it has the number of um, the number of trials right. for that attempts, date. Or whatever. So yeah. that's for a simpler goal that mm -hmm. is like will identify a picture of a bird, and then yes. how many times that and was offered in the session. You did it and, yeah. out of four out of five because most of my success rates are seventy-five to eighty percent success. So it's honestly it's a lot of time that I'm taking to put all of my notes in and right. I'm trying to find a way to streamline it because I think I'm taking way too much time. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying you're to using out, so many different programs. Do I need, if I'm putting data into a data sheet, do I need to also write a note? Well, I think it depends on, I do it because I feel like I, I have to, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm never going to go back to this note. Right. I don't, and now the only unless... I don't take numerical data on any of my clients. Right. And so I just take notes on everybody. But I don't there's only one of my work sites that actually requires me to submit those notes everywhere else it's for myself. Yeah. For my own professional accountability. And if I ever want to go back and look at progress or if I have to report progress. But if you have something that already shows the progress, then I feel like you're just taking your notes for yourself. Yeah, and it I, kind of is for me, but I just feel like I want to have a note that if I want to like look back and say like how was this student doing, you know, at the beginning of the year and how are they doing now? Sure. I want to have it. Do but you feel like your notes are too long? Like could you yeah, make I think them I'm shorter taking too anyway? Long. I don't yeah. think they need to be more than two sentences. Yeah. No, I don't I, think so at either. At first I was doing about a paragraph. When I see a new client, my note will be about a, a paragraph because right. there's a lot of well, new that things makes sense. that are happening. Well, that makes sense. Right. But I feel like sometimes for me, my notes, even though I don't go back and look at them, it just feels good for me to process the session, you know? And a lot of the places that I'm working, I'm not working with other music therapists, so it's not like I can walk out of the room and talk to someone else about the session. Sure. It's more giving like me closure about what happened in the session and gives me a chance to like process it a little bit. So here's here's my problem. On Thursdays, I go to my school district and I have six sessions in a row. Wow. Six half hour sessions straight no through. Break. No break at so all. Do you take notes at the end? Usually, yes, unless I have like a second in between students. But yeah. I schedule my students back to back and I don't want to waste their time by right. taking notes. Right. But then I also think like that's how a lot of other therapists would do it. They would just stop there, their session a minute or two early. Is there any chance that you could schedule like 15 minutes in the middle of the students just to like take notes? No, because they're all on half they're hour half increments. Hours. Yeah. What if you took a half hour in the middle? After well, that's how, my, that's how my that's how my 
Mondays and Tuesdays are. I've got some half hours in between. Yeah. But I have, I need to see all of my students on that day. Yeah. And I only have limited hours there. Right. You know, and because... So you don't want to, quote, waste an hour. I, I can't, yeah. So usually I just, I just try to, like, jot things down if I can in between sessions. And then I get to the end of my day and write it all down. Yeah. In my... It's a lot apps. to remember. It really is. I know one of my one of my sites, I see six students half hour sessions back to back, and I have. Sometimes I have a break at their dinner time, but sometimes if students were late or it's a residential treatment facility, so mm-hmm. depending on their schedules and what they're doing, sometimes I'm just like waiting for them. Sometimes they come during the time they're not supposed to. And sometimes I just end up working like a total of four hours straight and I get to the end and I'm sitting at the computer putting their notes in and it feels like forever ago, the first session. Right. Um, but sometimes if I can, even I'll keep like a piece of paper and a pen there. Yep. And if I can and have time to just like turn around and wipe, write one word that will prompt a yeah. note, I will. Yeah, that's a good but good way to do it. See, the thing is, for music therapy, I feel like we are so engaged with our students and trying to be with right. them the whole time. And I go and I observe speech sessions where I see the speech therapist sitting at the table with the student. And they're doing... things that are very similar to classroom instruction Mm -hmm. um and it's very similar to how when you go into a classroom and they're working on a goal with a student and they're taking data while they work with the student but I just I just don't feel like I can I don't feel like I can take the time away from my student to write data down right well I feel like that's your personal style of therapy too right and I just I I feel like the other thing is we are working on so many um, different goals that um, that we just need to we're working on so many different things and we don't want to just focus on one particular aspect of the um, of the session so if we were taking data on something we might also see success in another area and then we'd have to have like right. five goals out and be taking data on those five goals at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Um, it's different than in a speech session where they really only have one or two goals they're working on. Right. And they know that in these five minutes, I'm working on this goal. And in these five minutes, I'm working on the other goal. For me, I'm working on all of them at the same time. Right. And it's like, so even if someone does something significant in their session that's related to physical movement or that's related to a social skill, that's right. not what they're tracking. But for us, I this have is something a, I've always struggled with because we're not taking notes on music. We're taking notes about, you know, we're taking notes right. about everything that the right. music's doing. And I have students that have a physical or a motor uh, communication and a social goal. And I have interventions where I work on a motor, a social, and a communication goal in the same song, in the same thing. And sure, within different, like, sections of that song I'm working on different different things but I couldn't take out a piece of paper after uh, my student plays the drum with his hand and then write down yes he played the drum with his hand and then a second later he's vocalizing and then I write down yes he did this vocalization and then a second later he answered the question correctly about what type of weather comes in the spring yes he did that like right if I were doing that he wouldn't do these things because I'm not supporting him musically yeah you know, I, I have know, a guitar in my hands. For myself, sometimes when I'm taking notes um, at this one particular facility and I have a goal written for this student, 
I feel like I just want to write everything that happened in the session because I feel like it was all significant. But then I just try to remind myself, like, I try to relate it to the goal, but at the same time, so many other significant things happen that I feel like are worth noting. Right. But are they worth noting for myself, or are they worth noting for the people who are going to look at the note, or... Well, we have to think a lot more about, like, who's looking at the the notes and who they're for. Um, But I I want notes for myself, It depends on your facility, though. Depends on your facility on what they require of you. Yeah. I think that's what it boils down to. Okay. Yeah. So no answers for you guys. Sorry. Just a lot of discussion. Yeah. But we've got a new listener question for you this month, and we hope to hear from you. Um, Next time we meet, we're going to be talking a little bit about time off. Uh, It works differently in different types of jobs. Some places have PTO when you're full-time. Some places... Um, don't offer any paid time off, but you could just, you could just take time off at any time and they wouldn't penalize you. Yeah. Um, so for me at Spectrum, I'm part-time, so I, I could just say, I'm not going to be here for this day through this day and that would be okay. Um, I just wouldn't get paid. Um, do you have to find subs for your sessions or no? I do not. That's nice. Um, I don't think. (laughs) I haven't done it yet. I've yeah. taken in time out. I feel off. like it's probably on a personal basis. Like if you Yeah. They and then the other thing is they have when you're full time, they um they just offer you school breaks. So, um you get the school breaks off and you still get paid. Mm-hmm. But that's then, nice. Right. It is nice, but then if you're going to take time off otherwise, you I think they can work it out so that you also get paid um Am I saying this right? So that you also get paid um that week too but um you just get paid less each week because you plan okay. to take that week off that year okay so you have to like submit sense. all of your time off like, like really far ahead, ahead of time. if yeah. you like want to take this particular week off yeah so anyway um, that's our listener question we want to know we want to know what you guys what you guys do for time off and um and how you're going to spend your time off where are you traveling are you sitting on your couch are you going somewhere fun? Yeah. Are you going somewhere fun that's cheap? Because I want recommendations for that. What do you do when you travel? Do you stay in a hotel? Do you Airbnb? Do you walk there? Do you take a plane? Do you take a train? Right. Do you longboard? A lot of options. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you do. Yeah. I'm considering going on a surprise getaway. Whitney, tell me about a surprise getaway. I've never heard of I'm this I'm not sure before. that's exactly what it's called, but there's a website, a travel agent that you can go to, and you tell her... Like, what your preferences are as it's far as... What's that? It's a her? It is a her. Okay. Um, I believe it's one person. She might have, like, more people now, because I think she's getting kind of big. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, so she's a magician? Yeah, basically. So you tell her what, what you like, and then she magically gives you a getaway. It, you know, it wow. can either be a road trip or um, a short air trip. That's and so cool. it's for, like, two to three days, so it's not super long. And the day that you leave is when you find out where you're going. Whoa! Yeah, and like they book the. I I don't know. I don't know how much they book for you. I'm pretty sure they book your travel and your accommodations. And then just tell you how much you're paying. Yep, and it's anywhere between like four and six hundred dollars a person, which is so Not affordable. Bad. Yeah, and so yeah. you just have to pay for like your food and your stuff when you get there. I think so. That's yeah. really nice. And then they supply you with ideas about what to do when you're there wow. and stuff like that. So I'm considering doing that with my boyfriend. We're setting up a little uh, travel travel account for ourselves mm-hmm. with our. A good idea. Pieces of our tax returns and putting money away so that we can do one of those. Yeah. Or go somewhere fun. I don't know. That's but we gotta get out of here, man. Mm-hmm. It's time to go. 
Um, I don't get any time off, yeah. ever. I have to make it for myself. And I personally feel bad taking off of my sessions, and I feel like mm -hmm. I need to make them up, and that stresses me out because then I have to figure out makeup times, and my schedule is so weird. So I personally feel like I'm at a really weird place in my career, and I can't take time off for a long time. That's hard. Yeah. But you could take off a short amount of time. I could. That's true. And do a surprise getaway. I guess I could. <laughs> I work on, but so many people love music therapy on Saturdays, like families. And do so they? I work Saturday mornings. I haven't given up my Saturdays to music therapy yet. I haven't done it. Sometimes I work seven days a week. Mm. By seven days a week, I mean I have an hour session on a Sunday. And it's like, whatever. But it's still working. But you're still working And I still have day. to get out of my pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Scheduling, man. It's hard. Anyway, Ready for our next segment? Let's go. Okay. Hi, everyone. We'll keep this one brief. Are you in the mood for food? We are. I'm in the mood for food. Sarah, what'd you eat last night? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about where I had dinner last night. And I went on a double date with my boyfriend and one of my best friends from high school and her boyfriend. And we went to a new restaurant in Buffalo called Las Puertas. <laughs> we went to a restaurant in Buffalo called Las Puertas. And what was it? Las Puertas? Yes, the doors. Say it again. Las, Las Puertas. No! <laughs> Did you get some empanadas? No, stop. <laughs> And the chef there, um, Chef Victor Para, he um, is also the chef at one of my other favorite restaurants in town called Casa Azul, um, which was the name of Frida Kahlo's house, and they make really, really yummy tacos. Um, and he just opened this new restaurant, and it is really, really delicious, high-quality, classy, high-end, experimental, but really modern, really good Mexican food. AKA really expensive, it sounds like. It's not that expensive. What? It's like, okay, so I'm going to tell you what I was expecting. I was expecting to have a lot of like tapas style small plates, and yeah. I was expecting to like spend $70 just for my own food <gasps> and not eat a lot. But I left really stuffed and really happy, and it was only like $40 a person. $40 a person. $30 a person. That's that's not bad. And we had, listen, I remember everything we ate. So She's going to tell us, folks. Yeah. So we ordered a salad. And let me tell you that when we got this salad, it looks like they cut a piece of the Amazon rainforest and put it on our plate. There wow. were flowers. Yeah, there were, were there any construction tools underneath your salad? No. It was like a little pool of dressing, and these huge leaves were coming out of it with these beautiful pinkish-red flowers. It was so good. Did you and get then, my joke? What? Did you get my joke? Oh, you were referencing the book I'm reading. Yeah, I just had to check because you just, yeah. like, didn't laugh at all. Okay, that was a good reference. <laughs> Thank <get> you. No. <laughs> and then we also, there was like a ramen-type dish, but they are house-made ramen noodles made of corn. And it had this beautiful, it's called pozole. Pozole? Pozole, and it's this really delicious soup, and the broth had like goat in it and beef 
and lamb and it was so tasty and the chef came over the table and was like watch this and poured it into the <laughs> bowl and there was also a soft boiled egg on top and it wow. was just amazing so those were our two appetizer things and then we also had octopus ew it was good. Gross. We also had goat cheese tortellini. Yum. We also had these little pork things that tasted like pulled pork, but like a million times better than pulled pork. Mm. We also had, oh, we had um, mole. We had yeah. with vegetables. And <laughs> then for dessert, we had this spice almond cake with passion fruit. We had this passion fruit sorbet and um, this like whipped cream that I think was mango. And then we also had, um, we had guacamole too, yes. My boyfriend's motioning to me with this phone over here. Yes, we had guacamole, I'm sorry I forgot. It was a really good guacamole. Okay, I'm already past that in the meal. And then we also had, um, was it arroz con leche? And that was really tasty too. And that had horchata ice cream. Um, and oh wow, it was just really, really good the whole time. And it was one of those meals where you, you see it and it's beautiful. <laughs> and you see this plate when it comes to the table and it's beautiful. Everything looks like it should be hung on a wall at an art museum. What month were you there? Um, this month, so abril. In April, drinking horchata. They don't have their liquor license there yet, but our meal was perfect without cocktails, and we had these really refreshing mocktails. Mocktails. And they were beautifully colored. There was a pineapple one, and a cucumber one, and a lime wow. one, and yeah, it was really, really yummy. That's great. So if you're around Buffalo, or even if you're not, it's worth the trip. It's a beautiful restaurant. The service is fantastic. The food is delicious. The price is right. Everything was amazing. And so I if left, your surprise getaway is to Buffalo, New York, go to Las Puertas. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, they don't play the doors the whole time. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> they play really fun music the whole time. It was like Santana and fun pop music that you haven't heard since the late 90s. Ooh, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's great. So that was my in the mood for food. That sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. That made me hungry. I'm, I'm full, actually. We just had Cuban brunch, too. Cuban brunch. Um... So I made bread last time that I made really good food. Yeah, when Whitney was trapped in the weather of Rochester, she took advantage of that time. I sure did. And I learned how to make butterflake bread. It's really cool. I'm going to tell you about it. Basically, you make your dough, you let it rise, you make a butter with like garlic and parsley and other spices and onions and onion powder and more butter. It's mainly butter. Obviously. Um, you microwave it, heat it up, you let it cool. And then you get your dough and you um, let it rain. You don't let it rain <laughs> at all, actually, because that would be really messy. But that yeah. reminds me of that song since we're talking about food chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Do you remember the song Chicken Noodle Soup with the soda on the side? Do you remember that song? No. And then they go, I let it rain, I clear it out. I let it rain. Okay, keep talking. About I don't know that song. <laughs> okay. I'll put it in our blog post. Okay, cool. So anyway, divide the dough in half, and then you, okay, this is the fun part where you roll it out into a circle, you take a mason jar lid circle. That's the size you part, want. Yep, and then you cut out um, circles of your dough, you take the butter, you put the butter on half of the circle, you fold it over, you put it 
fold side down into a greased baking dish and you repeat with a whole bunch of circles. So you've got a whole bunch of half circles oh, lined up I in the bottom of your baking dish. Yeah. Then you have to let that rise again for like 90 minutes. It rises twice for 90 minutes. So it takes forever. Wow. Then you bake it for like 20 minutes. And you was also it worth it? so you also brush the butter over the top when before you bake it. Hence butter flake. And then like if you want more butter on it, that's good too. So it's like really delicious. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's like a really flaky, yummy. Delicious. And since it's, since the dough is really full of butter too, it's um it's a lot flakier than than a regular bread dough. That sounds so, so good. Winnie will be sharing that recipe with us. Uh sure. Yeah, it's from King Arthur Flour. I love King Arthur. They're the best. They have really good cinnamon rolls that Whitney made. Mm. King yeah. Arthur has the best recipes and the best flour. King Arthur. They're so good. Um, so we got some suggestions on Ooh, we Facebook asked, yeah. from a few different people about what to eat in the car. Sarah, what have you been eating in the car this uh, these last few weeks of driving? Well, I keep a bag of chocolate in my glove compartment. What type of chocolate? Dark milk? Dove dark chocolate. Mm, dark. With a little messages on the inside. Okay. I know this will have to stop once summer comes because of the weather. I, and the that's mouth. the struggle, man. Yeah. So, I'm lucky because I have weird little breaks all day, so I can usually stop for food. Um, but if I'm in the car... And nothing really stops me from eating normal food in the car. Like, That's I'll good. just eat a slice of pizza in the car if I have okay. to. But I keep in the car those chocolates and, like I said last time, almonds. But we got a couple um, a couple tips from some people on our Facebook page about oh, what they're yeah. eating in the car. Here we go. Bree Sanford says, Goldfish, cucumbers, carrots, and animal crackers have been her go-tos. Uh, Louise Lee says bagels, bagels, bagels. <laughs> um, but she expanded on that saying that she goes to Brugger's to get a breakfast bagel, but if she doesn't have time, toasted everything with cream cheese and locks or a bit of butter. That's a classy homemade sandwich. Yeah, she does like her everything bagels, I know. I know she does. I lived with her for a while, and mm -hmm. she always had everything bagels on top of the yeah, fridge. She likes them. It's where we kept our bagels. Uh, Tori Gotts says, long commute in the morning, so she eats eggs and avo on toast while she waits for the traffic to move at a snail's pace. And traffic at a snail's pace refers to she lives in New Zealand and Auckland, so... She didn't mention that, but yeah. she should have, because it's really cool. Yeah, that's a cool fact about Great Tori. suggestions, guys. I've been eating uh, a lot of trail mix, cheese sticks. Ooh, cheese sticks. Um, peppers and hummus. Mm-hmm. And grapes. Grapes. In the car. I love when grapes are super crunchy. Yeah. And they almost sound like a snare drum. Red or green? Red. Yeah, red for me too. Green is too sour like, now. I used to like green when I was little. Me too. Really? But I, I think that's just, what they feed little kids. Yeah, I think I just Why like don't they the feed green them ones. The red ones. Yeah, the, the red ones are sweeter. Yeah. More flavorful in general. I feel like the green ones really lack flavor. They do. They're gross. Especially when they're soft. Like, ew, don't even bother. No. Yeah. Well, it's been swell, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 5-7 Chord Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas, questions, or concerns, please reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook at V7 Chord Podcast. Or email us at V7 Chord Podcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you soon.